You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com. Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcasts. Yes, we're going to try and do better than last week, where we're not going to spoil anything from Game of Thrones or Avengers Endgame for you. Instead, we're going to spoil what's going on with the NBA and the Pelicans, and we've got some big news on that Pelicans front. They're reaching out to the Phoenix Suns, but for what or for who? And that's a pretty big deal what it is. We're also going to do a season in review on Anthony Davis. We're going to start doing this for every player on the team this year, starting with, of course, the big man who's been the focal point of everything. And then we're going to take a look at some of the refereeing that's going on in the NBA playoffs because I think this is an important discussion to be had because some changes really need to be made. So let's dive into it in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So we know David Griffin wants to not maybe overhaul isn't the word when it comes to the Pelicans front office and the organization, but wants to make big upgrades and maybe drag him more into the future and build out a lot of the areas. Now that I think his favorite word might be bandwidth is there for the team and the operations side to do all of that. So the big news coming out about the team on Friday was that David Griffin, and this came from Mark Stein of ESPN, no, of the New York Times, sorry, that's where he is now, uh, formerly of ESPNs. But the big news is that David Griffin has received permission to speak with the head athletic trainer of the Phoenix Suns, Aaron Nelson. Disregard the Phoenix Suns these past couple of years where they've just been garbage and probably do have the worst owner in the league. But before that, they were known for one thing, mainly above all others, than their play on the court. And that was the vaunted medical staff that they had that kept all of their players healthy, rejuvenated a number of careers. Steve Nash lasted so much longer there than he really should have. And it's largely due to the medical staff and Aaron Nelson, who's overseen that now for 19 years in that role. That is a very long time to last. His official title is the Vice President of Athlete Care, and he's been with the Sun since 1993, which is the same time that David Griffin started there, and they worked together for 17 years until Griffin left there from uh, the Suns to go to Cleveland in 2010. So there's a deep history there. This is an area that I've heard the Griffin really wants to increase and pour a lot of resources into. We know for the past couple of years, the Pelicans have either led the league in games missed per game or been really close. A couple of that is guys who were just out the entirety of the season. You know, DeMarcus Cousins um, missing chunks of time too with all of that. A lot of injuries for Eric Gordon. You also had Solomon Hill basically miss an entire season as well. Quincy Pondexter added to that total, basically missing two straight years more or less um, with the team. So those kind of get added into everything and maybe aren't the most representative of it. But we can all agree that injuries have derailed the Pelicans for a very, very long time. And I've defended the medical staff that they have to a degree. It's kind of tough to know how to evaluate them when you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. 
It's tough to really place blame at the medical staff when a guy goes out and on a shot has his hand hit the head of an opposing player and he breaks a finger. Is that really on the medical staff or is it just a fluke thing that happens on the court? Is it then still just a coincidence or a fluke thing when he breaks that same finger when he comes back after being cleared? You know, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. It's really tough. But I think we can all agree that maybe this team hasn't been doing what they could be to really be preventative and and take a look at all of that. So hearing that he wants to increase all of this area and is hiring maybe the best or looking to hire the best in the business means they haven't been good enough. Otherwise, he wouldn't be looking to change them. It's kind of as simple as that. So why would this guy leave Aaron Nelson, leave Phoenix, but or and come here or why would Phoenix let him go? It sounds like, and this was from Kevin Arnovitz on the Low Post podcast on ESPN, that Phoenix is basically considering fully overhauling every aspect of their basketball organization on all levels, including the training staff. It seems a little bit crazy, but Sarver, again, is a bad owner. They have a new GM in there. They have a new uh, president of basketball operations in there, too. Uh, former Pelicans GM and head coach Jeff Bauer. So maybe because of that, they just want to completely overhaul everything. And it sounds like that's a little bit of what's going to be happening. So there is a chance to maybe pry Aaron Nelson away from the Phoenix Suns, bring him here to New Orleans, where he can, I don't know, work his warlock magic, which is what everyone kind of joked. They had warlocks running the Phoenix Suns medical staff and translate that some of that here to New Orleans, which maybe keeps people a little bit healthier. New Orleans really did make big strides in this kind of thing this past season when that's they put all that wearable technology on the players that kind of tracked him every time they weren't playing knowing if they were getting the right kind of sleep if they needed to maybe mix things up you could have a tougher practice uh, an easier practice depending um surat sohi over at sb nation wrote about that if you haven't read it to start the year definitely give it a read the pelicans were making strides in this department but i also heard that all that wearable technology was sending off big red warning signs to stop playing these guys so many minutes and there wasn't really anything this team could because other guys were injured and you have to play guys time you know a bunch of minutes at times just kind of how it goes so maybe getting a medical staff who can understand that kind of technology and knows how to maybe apply it a little bit better than what we've seen the pelicans do would be a good thing but there's no doubt that this is a big move on behalf of david griffin trying to kind of signal that this isn't the same old pelicans and what they've been doing in the past this is a guy trying to go out and get the best in the business to come here in new orleans and work with him and help turn this team around into not just a model organization, but maybe the one for others to follow and kind of build their own model off of and get them to the forefront of everything in the NBA. Of all the things David Griffin has said and plans to do and that you know he will do, this, even if they don't get the guy in Aaron Nelson, but get someone else or completely overhaul the training staff, the medical staff, that is a very big step and maybe should make you more excited than anything else that he's been saying and going to do because this has just been a huge problem for the Pelicans for years and years and years. And maybe this doesn't fix it because these fluke things happen, but at least it shows their commitment to this. And if it can eliminate a couple of injuries a year, that is a huge step forward for this Pelicans organization. So hearing David Griffin going after the head trainer for the Phoenix Suns, Aaron Nelson, very good sign. That is some strong intent from David Griffin. And we'll just need to wait and see if this gets officially done.
So David Griffin's got a big job to do, hiring a ton of new folks for the Pelicans front office, for the analytics team, for the scouting department, and also for the medical staff, and maybe everywhere in between with this organization. And challenging is exactly what this task is going to be doing, because hiring good people is very, very hard. But there's one place you can go where it can be simple, fast, and easy, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates, and that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your jobs. Maybe you're the NFL and you need some new refs who are going to call pass interference. They could probably be using this too alongside David Griffin. And as the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. So we're starting the season in reviews for all the players on the Pelicans this year. And of course, we are going to start with Anthony Davis because... Frankly, why would you start anywhere else or begin anywhere else? Anthony Davis this year, we kind of know the story. So we're going to take a look at this a little bit differently. Played 56 games for the Pelicans this year, which is actually the lowest of his career. He was healthy for a lot of it, missed a couple games with banging up injuries here and there, but for the most part could have played the majority of games and then more or less chose not to once the trade request came down that derailed the Pelicans season and kind of sent the ripple effect throughout the entirety of the organization that eventually got Dell Demps fired, among other things. So Anthony Davis is responsible for the good parts of the season, but also really the bad parts of the season. There's kind of no other way to look at it than that. Let's look at his play on the court, though, because this is kind of interesting. His per-game numbers are the worst that he's had in the past three seasons, basically. In the 56 games that he played and 33 minutes per game that he played uh, average, he scored 25.9 points per game. And this is with him really kind of half-assing what felt like the majority of the year. Even to come out and start the year, he didn't feel nearly as dominant or as in control of the game as he kind of had been in seasons past. And this is for the guy who said before the season started that he wanted to be to prove that he was the most dominant player in the game. I don't think that really happened this year in any capacity, but still averaged 25.9 points per game and 12 rebounds per game. Um, pretty impressive for a dude who, again, wasn't really hustling or doing a whole lot there. Offensively, we know what he was capable of. If you look at it in terms of the per 36-minute numbers compared to seasons past, you would have averaged 28.3 points per game and 13.1 rebounds. That's about a point more than last season and about two rebounds more than last season. Those are really good numbers, and it shows you just how much of a talented player he is, that if you can put up those numbers when you're really not even trying all that much. The biggest thing that really jumps out to you, though, offensively, that at least you saw early on in the season, was the assist numbers. 
Previously, his career high in assists per game was last season, 2.3. He averages 2.1 per game for his career. That jumps to 3.9 this year. This is a dude in 33 minutes. Again, not really trying, was almost averaging four assists per game. Per 36 minutes, it jumps up to 4.2. You saw it early on that he was much better at recognizing when double teams were coming and passing out ahead of those to the open shooter where the help defender was coming from. Previously, he's gotten the ball. It's kind of just stayed down in the low post, and that was that, and was either going to try and score over that double team or it was going to be a bad shot or a turnover. Here, he learned to recognize this was coming and get the ball out of his hands and then create for others. You don't just miraculously increase your assist per game by almost one and a half just on a fluke thing, for, especially for a big man who's not used to passing the ball out. This was some serious work and growth on the part of Anthony Davis, and it was really the last offensive part of his game we were waiting to see if he would develop, and he did. It was just really good to see for that first part of the year when they were 1-4-0 and doing a couple of other things trying to get into the playoffs. It was impressive. There's no other way to say it than that. Defensively, he left a lot to be desired this year. There's no other way to put it. He's still good, but it wasn't nearly as impactful as you felt like, say, last season when I had a pretty damn good argument for him to be the defensive player of the year. Defensive rating still one of the best on the team. The team defense as a whole kind of struggled, but he was not the same rim protector. He was not doing kind of usual havoc and, and destruction down low than he had been, and his defensive rebounding just was kind of a little bit less than what you had seen before from him, and it was disappointing. I think this is more he just didn't care this year. We know he has all the tools to do it. It's just a matter of effort, but when guys were kind of blowing by him, his help defense wasn't there like it had been the year before. What are you going to do? And I think that's just kind of the case here. But I know everyone doesn't really care about the on-court stuff. We know how good he is. We know he's a freak. We know what he's capable of doing. And it was the off stuff that how is he going to be remembered this year? Well, he certainly hurt his legacy here in New Orleans. And regardless if he comes back or not, still a long shot, it, this hurt. And for a guy who's hyper aware of his legacy, he didn't do himself any favors here. And you've heard kind of a lot of whispering behind the scenes of, has Anthony Davis shown his true colors? Has he shown that he's almost this petulant child that just kind of wants to have his cake and eat it too, and when he's upset, he's going to throw a tantrum until he tries and gets what he wants? For all intents and purposes, Anthony Davis was like the kid who wanted a Big Mac when they're trying to give him a salad and held his breath hoping that he would get the Big Mac or, I don't know, McNuggets or something like that. And he kind of did. He just refused to play at times. He did little stupid things designed to kind of get people upset, like the that's all folks shirt and I'm not going to buy for a second that he couldn't pick out something else to wear. I do believe that someone does pick his clothes out for him, though, and that person should have probably been fired for it, Anthony Davis. Um, so I think, you know, it's a mixed bag because the on-court stuff is so good when he wants to be, but the off-court stuff is so bad right now that it just makes you look at him differently despite the fact that, man, if this guy tried the majority of the year, could have set some almost records in term and been an over 30-point-per-game score. But he didn't, and this is just kind of where it is now, and we're kind of in a blah state of everything here with Anthony Davis waiting for him to be traded or maybe, maybe to come back to the team, though I think that's going to be a long shot. So there you go, the season in review for Anthony Davis. 
So before we talk about everyone's favorite boogeyman, the referees in the NBA, I've got to mention that we just had the NFL draft. How did the Saints do? Did they get good value on their picks? As everyone wants to know. And Ross Jackson with the Locked on Saints podcast is going to have you covered, breaking down it from every single angle and doing deep dives on all of your brand new Saints players. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked on Saints podcast through the Himalaya podcast app. So some slight controversy in the NBA, and you could almost tell this was going to be a thing going into this series between the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets in their opening game of the series. That was a 100-104 to win for the um, Golden State Warriors. And that was the lack of fouls called on the Houston Rockets three-point shooters when you very clearly had a lot of the Golden State Warriors stepping under their feet when they were elevated and they had to kind of fall down and move, and it looked like they were selling fouls and flopping when, frankly, they land on a foot and hurt their ankles if they don't flop and move their legs like that. This is going to be weird because we're at a breaking point, I feel like, between the players and the refs and the fans and the refs with Twitter being a thing and fans being so much more aware of who the referees are and a lot of kind of reforms going into the NBA refereeing over the past couple of years. I talked about it on the podcast a couple weeks ago when This American Life kind of took a a look at the NBA Replay Center in Secaucus and some of the things that had gone into the NBA referee reviews and how they make sure these guys are kind of acting properly and above the board. And by and large, they found that referees are really, really good. It's just as simple as that. These guys aren't missing calls like people think they are. They're being graded and reviewed after every game. And they're the best at what they're doing in the league. Not even in the league, in the world, I mean. So the fact that they become such a focal point and players are barking at them so much more than they have in the past has not been a great thing to see. And this was a weird series. And this is where players are getting so good at little movements and things, and sometimes the rules are a little bit confusing, that people want to get away with some of this. And then the refs have just kind of had enough and they call things differently. So James Harden's the example of that. And it's that step back three that he's known for and that he's gotten tons and tons of foul calls on this year. And it's a loophole kind of in the rules. It's really not in the spirit of the game to be kind of hunting for fouls like he does. And it's disappointing to see. It makes him unfun to watch to a lot of people. But it is what it is. He's kind of found what works for him. And the refs have been calling it all for him this way all year long. So when you go into this game and realize that he's not getting these calls, he was very frustrated. There was an obvious foul on Chris Paul. I think it was Clay Thompson who completely hit him on a foul. And then they didn't call it. And then you had... Um, him get a technical because he was screaming at the refs over it. And again, what was very clearly a foul. So here's the thing. Refs normally call this and they didn't call it in this game. They were consistent about not calling it in this game, which is at least good. And maybe Houston should have adapted a little bit more, realized they weren't going to get the calls and then kind of adjusted their game plan accordingly. And they did a little bit. But it's weird how they go from doing it this way all year to not this way in the playoffs. And you've got to wonder if that's because the fans are in their heads a little bit. Other players are in their heads a little bit saying this isn't fair. This isn't fun. And then the refs just kind of come out and say, we're not going to do this today when this is what they've been doing. And that's not a good look for the league. The last thing they probably want is for the officials to kind of be in the spotlight after any game, which was a close game. And kind of almost came down to the last shot of the game. And that's not what anyone's going to be talking about with this game. Probably with this series right now. It's going to be the refereeing. Were those fouls 
where they're not? And how can this kind of get fixed? And there's no easy answer to that, but this is something the NBA seriously needs to look at because this isn't good for the game. It's also confusing even just for me because I'm looking at this going, why the hell aren't they calling these fouls? I don't like Houston. You know, I don't particularly like Golden State either. I just want a good game. And it just, you don't feel like that's being the case. And this is only going to get worse. And it feels like maybe the refs aren't calling these fouls in kind of retaliation for how they've been treated by the Rockets when they do kind of jaunt the refs a lot trying to get those type of calls. And when they don't, they're vocal about it. So maybe the refs are just deciding, hey, we're not going to do this. Screw you guys, which is also not good. So I don't know how they fix it, but they need to maybe adjust some of these things, whether it's the continuations, that step back, the gather step, the carry, things, all of those, really the gather is a big problem. And this is not ideal, and they need to kind of cut down on some of this. And maybe that means you call more offensive fouls. James Harden's known for really exaggerating sticking his legs out in front when he shoots to the point that he doesn't need to to make it look like the defenders were underneath him when, frankly, if he had used a more natural motion, that wouldn't be the case. They need to get everyone together and be like, we're cutting this out, whether that's talking to the players, talking to the refs, or whatever it is. This is not good for the game, and this is causing problems. And go back and rewatch this game one. It's going to be kind of weird. Now watch Harden's legs a little bit more. Normally, again, he puts those out to sell it. But there were legitimately guys under him, so he didn't know what else to do. And the refs just couldn't either adapt to that or figure out what to do, which then had other ramifications on all of this. So it's a lot of problems when it comes to the refereeing in the NBA for guys that are actually really good at their jobs. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. More player in re- season and reviews for players this week. We're going to look at gambling tomorrow and how that maybe impacts the NBA and the Pelicans as well. And a whole lot more because I'm sure we'll get some updates on the front office news from the Pelicans. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.